Welcome back. What camera am I looking to? No camera is actually looking at me. I mean, where's my camera? Thank you. Camera A. Camera. There's my camera. Now I can camera do the intro. Jam. And guess what's going on in the intro now? That's gonna... No, please don't embarrass me on the intro. Why would I embarrass you on the intro? <laughs> I'm embarrassed using the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the intro to the Chip Lunch Podcast. Stop laughing, get serious. <laughs> I've heard of you at the end of this uh, tube that you're listening on the end of. I've had enough. It's time to listen. Welcome back to the Chip Lunch Podcast. And we've, we're joined by two people today. Ooh. Yes. Brayden. Oh, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome. I'm enjoying your return after me and Ethan taking over the helm in the last As episode. As am I. Yeah, it's How very good you? to have you back. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> Always good to have me back, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it, listeners? Where's my camera? Yep, that's yes, good. Yes, the listeners really care about which camera you're talking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the people listening is like, what is he talking about? Anyway, it's lovely to have you back, Brain. It's lovely to be back. Yes, of course. Um, anything you want to enlighten us with or we just... Oh, no, I'm, I'm very excited for our special guest. By the way, just sorry, just before we get to a special guest, Jen, um, we, we're missing something in the studio. Are we? Yes, we're missing Nikki's Nikki's uh, picture. Oh well, excuse me. No, it was donated to the studio. <laughs> and anyway, that's all right. We'll we'll it will come back. It's very important to me. Anyway, let's introduce our guest. Hello, Jen. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's Stoll. fantastic. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast. It's been a few months in the making. We've it been has. wanting you to come on for a while, <laughs> and now you're finally here. I understand that. There was a prerequisite that I would be on the podcast, so here we are. <laughs> I always love chatting to you, Joel. You know that. <laughs> what else was on the rider? I'm very interested. That's right. Was yeah. there any other demands? Yeah. No, no, no <laughs> demands at all, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a large platter of fruit. You know, yeah. like those bands that just yeah. put like on their rider, it's like yeah. 400 litres of milk and they don't drink any And a box and of kittens. And a box of kittens, <laughs> some green turtles <laughs> and, and a dog in a hat. And only brown M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what it's like. no, I'm quite low maintenance. That's good. Excellent. Yeah. Are the people that ever say they're low maintenance really low maintenance though? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Maybe I just try to be low maintenance. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm just trying to make you feel comfortable. Uh, just because we have we have fun, we have fun on the Chip Lunch podcast. But one way we have fun is the first question that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast. It's nothing to do with being Christian. <laughs> <laughs> it is how do you like to eat your hot chips? Well, I had a look, and I think I'm odd because Ooh. I like mine with plain salt. No, you're not. Oh, you are no odd. chicken salt. Unorthodox. Yes. No. And I Unorthodox. like <laughs> I like them. I like the the crinkly ones. Oh, okay. Crinkle cut. Crinkle cut. Crispy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where so, is there a spot? Yeah, Menai Deli. Menai Deli. Yeah. yeah. Again, in the south of Sydney. If anyone's not yes. from the Southern Shire <laughs> listening to this, Menai Deli. Yes. Have they been there for a long time? Very long time. Yeah. Long right. as I've been in Menai. So you've been visiting them for a long time? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where Delhi does hot chips? Yeah. Mm, hot chip and chicken. Oh, wow. Excellent. And any sauce? Uh, do your own sauce later because yeah. they kind of overdo it in, in the shop normally. I hope you're oh, listening, right. Menai Delhi. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do my own later. Yeah, a very loyal customer is telling you what they need to change. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sauce. So they put sauce on it. 
Mm. You prefer to have your sauce on the side. I prefer yeah. that too. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I want to do my own sauce yeah. as well. Mm. Sauce on the side. Good yeah. old dip in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and you won't get soggy quicker. Yeah, do. That's yeah. exactly why, right? It yeah. gets too soggy. Like if you're transporting mm. it somewhere, yeah. mm. you need to obviously get it, and you want to enjoy it at your place of residence <laughs> or wherever <laughs> you're taking it. Mm. And if it's sauce on it and it's sitting in sauce for too long, it's too soggy because you want the crispiness. Yes. You're talking Absolutely. about Absolutely. Crinkle cut is an interesting choice, though. Mm. Is that because you just are against any other forms of chips, other forms of chips. It's just <laughs> no. you just like the texture. No, that's just uh, that's, that's my first preference. Okay. I generally just like chips, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really matter how they come, but <laughs> that's great. Well, I like that you're on you're on the plain salt wagon yeah. along with me. Plain salt. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, second question: <laughs> How? Why is that? <clears throat> this is going to be a great story. How did you become a Christian, Jen? Um. So uh, I went to Sunday school as a child. Um, Do you mind if I ask where that was? Yeah, at um, at Holy Trinity at Panania. Okay. Ooh. And so um, I always knew the stories uh, that you were taught at Sunday school, but I didn't become a Christian until I was 13. Mm. And I was on a um, camp at Teen Ranch. And so, um, for those that love cricket, the guest speaker was Brian Booth, who is a famous cricketer, oh. and he talked about giving your life to Jesus. And then afterwards, I went and prayed with the program director at the time. His name was Leighton Stace, um, and and became a Christian at at, thir- at thirteen. Bit, bit rocky from yeah. thirteen to kind of maybe twenty five or twenty six. Um, uh, but generally speaking, then have been a Christian for what thirty nine years. Do you remember what struck you when you were thirteen? Like, do you remember anything about what he said or what you were mm. thinking? I don't know that it was anything that he particularly said. We were yeah. on the top of a hill, oh, and it wow. was outside. Yeah, it was freezing cold, <laughs> yeah. and there was a fire burning, like a big Ooh. bonfire burning. Yeah, and there were a million stars in the sky, and wow. it was almost as though um, God was speaking to me. It, it, this, it's your time. I know yeah. you know the stories now. It, this, it's your time to yeah. to take actually the, take mm, the step mm, and yeah. do something. And then, uh, as I said, Leighton, uh, who became a, a bit of a mentor for me as mm. I went through life. Um, I, I had him in my life for the next seven years and, and he showed me what fearless kids ministry looked like yeah. and uh, taught me what um, a loving father was because I actually didn't have one of my own. So okay. he was a really important part of that yeah. early journey to God yeah. uh, for me. And, um, and, he, and as I said, uh, he went home a bit too early um, mm. in a very tragic accident mm. And it kind of shook me a little bit. Uh, as I said, there were sort of good and lo- high and low times. Mm. <clears throat> but mostly speaking, um, I, I just love love serving Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and he does change everything, yeah. as we say here at Solis. Yeah. And, yeah. and he really did turn my life on its head mm. yeah. um, from 13. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Do you mind if I ask you about that family situation? Did you... So did your parents go to um, church because you said you were going to church? My mum went to church Mm. on a Sunday, Mm -hmm. um, but my my dad was an alcoholic and so he left when I was only um, just about 11. Okay. So he wasn't in my life. Yeah. And for most of the time that he was, um, 
they the pleasant memories are Sunday school. I, mm. I loved Sunday school. The the rest of the time, there was lo- lots of things that weren't fabulous, mm. and so really just um, focusing on on learning at Sunday school was my time yeah. out. Yeah, and so yeah, I, lo- I loved. Um, I love that about each week. Yeah. And, I, and so it just kind of um, coming to Jesus was a bit of a journey yeah. in that they the Bible described God as a loving father. Well, I didn't know what one of those was. Yeah. So it kind of took a while to actually get my head around what does a loving father look like. And then people like Leighton showed me that. Um, yeah. And a friend from Menai of mine, David Gaskell, who's kind of got, gone in and, and supported my girls as they've grown up in – like her grandfather capacity, showed yeah. me what a loving father was like as well. So God's been so good to bless me with other people, yeah. to role model the things I missed in my own life. But, yeah, my dad was not the nicest person yeah. uh, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for telling us that. Because yeah, it's, like, right. it's also something hard <clears throat> to talk about. So, like, I can mm-hmm. understand that if it's a difficult situation to be in for anyone, let alone someone... Um, your age, like around that age of 10, 11, 12, mm. 13. So I can understand why someone like um, your friend Leighton was mm. very important in your life. That makes a lot mm. of sense. Um, at that point from around the time that you became a Christian, what um, do you think changed for you? Um, I, I think for me, um, so what, what I didn't cover was that I was adopted from about... Mum got me when I was four weeks old. Wow. Um, okay. And I spent my first three weeks in a hospital room with the nurses just looking after me. So I had no real contact uh, mm. during those first four weeks. And years later, I got a um, medical file that to get some information and it basically talked about a restless crying uh, baby. And so... I, I, I was loud, even as a baby, (laughs) (laughs) something that hasn't changed. Um, But just in terms of of being adopted, I think once I became a Christian, I was adopted by Christ. And so in my mind that I know the hairs on your head and we knew you in the womb and all of those things all of a sudden changed my whole identity. So instead of being, whoopsie, the mistake someone made at a party, I became chosen and and fashioned and adopted by God. And that was a big deal for my yeah. identity. I yeah. mean, I had shaky times as a, as a teenager, like yeah. most of us do, sure. um, when your identity is being questioned yeah, anyway. Um, Which you were probably doing from a, quite an early age anyway yeah. because of that situation. Yeah. yeah. When I was a child, I, I loved being adopted. I used to say I was chosen. So yeah. it was only once I got a little bit older that it kind of played with my identity a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I really do believe it's part of the journey that yeah. God was taking me on mm-hmm. so that I could get a true sense of who I was uh, under Jesus because yeah. that that – allows you to be everything that God wants you to be and to make sure that when you make choices and decisions that you point people to him. And and, and so really your identity becomes fashioned and formed in God's image. And so that that was a really big, big penny dropping for me. Yeah. So you said you became a Christian when you were 13-ish. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's around about high school where lots of yeah. things are going on. How, did you enjoy high school? Did yeah, you have I, d- fun? I did. Yeah. I did love high school. I feel like yeah. you're, you're a pretty social person. I was a social person, <laughs> yep. yeah. But I am um, fairly black and white with things. Um, yeah. Is that why you're wearing it today? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, but no, I, I was um, – so I, I, I actually arrived at high school and um, – I struggled a little bit academically to start with yeah. and I was I went from um, a public school into a, a private school my mum mm. worked three jobs to oh, wow. send me through a, a private yeah. school yeah um, and she wanted me to have the best opportunity and education that I could can mm. I ask what school uh, yes I was at Dame Bank okay oh, yeah mm-hmm. did and you wear the funny hat I did wear a funny hat. We were known as the Green Frogs. So. Oh, really? I always thought watermelon, watermelon school was yeah, but yeah. It, now it's watermelon, but we didn't used to have any pink oh, in the uniform when I was there. It's just green yeah. and white. Right, okay. Oh. Yeah, so um, I started in year seven. I struggled a little bit, but mm. then I kind of got into the rhythm of um, the Christian group at school. Oh, yeah. And that was fantastic. And a uh, shout out to Miss Marsh, who I know listens to the podcast. She was my science teacher and ran the Christian cool. group. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Marsh. And um, she was was really solid uh, yeah. in terms of, of getting me involved in the Christian group. Mm. And um, then I, I grew, grew through that, did lots of leadership stuff through school, yeah. went to... LIT equivalent back in the day. It was called something different, but the same kind of program. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, went on to actually be honoured as the captain of Dank Bank. So that was oh. a real oh. um, privilege for yeah. me mm-hmm. and um, very also big honour. Rewarding for your mum that she'd, yeah, she'd worked super, so hard. And she super wouldn't. rewarding and for mum. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, a major um, milestone in being able to stand in in what was a church school largely. It wasn't necessarily a a Christian school, but it was a church school. But as a Christian, I represented faith as Mm. the leader of the school. So pointing people to the difference Jesus makes as as the captain uh, at school was really important as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, just thinking about Christian captains is like, so my wife and as someone that we know, Michael Grease, they were mm. captain of my school. Yeah. Um, Aurelia? Um, We've had a few Aurelia school, school captain. Yeah. And I feel like uh, there's an influence of, uh, who are you pointing out, your daughter? No. Oh, which one? Oh, Ethan. Ethan was a Ethan vice captain. Oh, he's, vi- he's not captain. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's interesting that it seems to happen quite mm. a bit. Sorry, that Oh yeah, what's your problem? I, I, there's nothing. I, there's nothing wrong with my vice captaincy. And, 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 and this, this is and coming <laughs> from a prefect. Yeah, yeah, yeah come on. Just, <laughs> you got to remember. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to remember. School captain of primary school does that mean anything? I, I was <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I was. That's not surprising. You were school captain of a primary school, um, but I was uh, not a prefect originally. I was not elected as a prefect. Someone who became a prefect got caught. Dealing marijuana at school <laughs> <laughs> and was expelled or had left the school or something, and then I got promoted to the <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So I was called the defect because I was a default <laughs> prefect. So the reason I was actually talking about school captain stuff is that God seems to do this. I've seen observed it in the areas I mean that where I live, is that God often puts school captains or Christian school captains in places. Mm. I think it's also because of the way that people feel it is important to lead and to try and 
the, the social good that God inspires us to do through his love, through Jesus, I think, it's, it, it's quite an interesting pattern to notice. So all I'm going to say is congratulations on being school captain. <laughs> Thank you. Did it earn you any certain uh, privileges of uh, being a school captain? Did you get anything special? No, not particularly. Um, I, I ran the... I ran the um, the Christian group at school too, though, so yeah, cool. it, that was probably my biggest privilege. Mm, yeah. um, and um, and I, I know that there are like members of our church now that were in that group, so it's kind of nice to catch up and to to see and hear them remember mm-hmm. um, that group and the difference that that group made, which was great. Yeah, um, yeah. that's lovely. Mm. That period of high school, as uh, Brandon brought up before, you also said that you. Um, Felt like your relationship with God was a little bit rocky sometimes. Mm. Can you tell us the, the good parts about it and maybe the bits that you thought were a bit rocky? Yeah. So the good parts were, came mostly through my involvement with the church, through yeah. youth group. Um, Which church was that, sorry? Uh, at, at the time, I was at Guyamere Baptist Church. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I went to a group called Inbetweeners, which <laughs> was a, a youth group there. Yeah. Um, but I did move. I have to a bit of a confession here. I, I did move around a little bit because yeah. I went to an all-girls school, so I was a little bit boy crazy. Oh. <laughs> so we did move youth groups yeah. for boys at times, <laughs> which is not a good thing. <laughs> you wouldn't <laughs> to recommend. Admit, I wouldn't recommend. Yeah. Um, but but it did happen. Mm, yeah. uh, not my finest moment. <laughs> let's just yeah. say. That's okay. But you're being. It's a. Exercising humility hey. to to admit that you may have <laughs> not done the right thing. Correct. <laughs> yes, but but um, the highlights were but m- most of the leadership roles. So I started teaching Sunday school at um, fifteen. Yeah. Um, and I've done it pretty much most of my adult life. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I did a lot of um, youth work, which I love doing. Mm. Uh, probably started doing that around seventeen or eighteen, um, and and loved every second of being a youth group leader. Um, but I, I think that the ha- ha- highlights are, are those times when you felt God was really close. Mm. And the lowlights were the times when I let identity kind of take over. So mm. 15, yeah. I was um, – I, I had a bit of a issue with identity around that time and I really yeah. um, struggled with who I was. Yeah, I think um, that's being 15. Yeah. I, think so. comes with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And I que- kind of questioned that whole adoption yeah. identity thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I say the pastor at the time was amazing and that's just awesome. a bit of a chat and yeah. put some people in my life to pray with. And yeah. yeah. So God's kind of always been at those low times. So, you mm. know, that poem, it's a bit of a cliche one, but it, that poem, it's then that I carried you. Mm. Like, I've really felt that in my yeah. life right. at those times where I've hit a bit of a crossroads and, yeah. and you kind of doubt who you are and doubt what you're doing mm. and you doubt your identity. God's kind of pick you up and come on, Jen, you're mine and let's yeah. keep moving. Um, that's been really helpful. You mentioned going into then leading. Uh, Sunday school and you mentioned earlier that Sunday school was something you really really looked forward to yeah as a kid was there anything you brought to being a Sunday school leader that was informed by like really mm. really enjoying it as a kid I think um I mean obviously Mrs Kirby is not here anymore she's passed away and she's home with Jesus yeah but she was phenomenal yeah she was an older lady mm. who taught my Sunday school 
And she was just that godly person that you looked to and you saw Jesus in her actions. I wanted to be that, basically. That that was my drive, um, was to be that person for the kids that were in my life. Um, To want to be a listening ear, to look at children and see them the way Jesus sees them, to see what's special about each of the ones that he made. And Mm. so a shout out to Kids Ministry. I know there's some (laughs) vacancies if you're interested. (laughs) Come and talk to me. (laughs) Yeah, because um, it's that childlike faith that I love so much. And that's what I love about uh, Sunday school. It's what I Mm. love about teaching kids about Jesus pretty much. Absolutely. Mm. I just sorry. I, I really like listening to you, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Um, so then, if we're coming out of high school, sorry, yeah. you are coming out of high school. Yeah, we weren't at high school together. No. <laughs> <laughs> what um, Dane Bank? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't no. at Dane Bank. That's for sure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got that out of the yeah, way, like I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, what was your plan next in terms of like, because you got to start thinking about your career and all that kind of stuff. Do yeah. you have thoughts about that and then how that it, being a Christian impacted those thoughts? I, I, I think I was still trying in a way. I, I've struggled with trying to prove to the world I had a place. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I've struggled at any of the low times like, oh, look, the adopted daughter of an alcoholic can be successful. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. did okay. struggle a little bit mm-hmm. at times with that. So I actually just went into the same career my brother did. Mm. Um, and which was what an accountant, oh. <laughs> a very boring auditor, mm. <laughs> and I can still remember it was only about oh, twelve months down the track, and I did a and those old fashioned appraisals that <laughs> are now not contemporary HR practice, but the appraisal process where you would sit with your boss and he said to me, Jen, you're really not supposed to make friends with the clients. (laughs) (laughs) He said, you're the auditor. And so I think that um, that kind of directed me more towards a people-based role and I did a double degree. So I finished accounting. I can still do your tax. But but I moved into employment relations. Uh, So I'm very much now in in HR and I I love people. I love being able to uh, teach other people how to manage and be nice to their people, (laughs) basically. Um, So I do a bit of that in my work. Mm. Um, You did – so you did go to uni. I did. Do you remember – like we like to concentrate a little bit on this time because it's like when you're – midway through high school and you're trying to find your identity. I think a lot of people, yeah, um, yeah experience uh, interesting times around that. I think it's also when you're then given that first big taste of freedom, you're out of school, you have more time on your hands, you're at uni. I think that can also be a big time for your faith and what you're doing. Did you find that a difficult time or some people just find it a freeing time where they have more time to do more things or... How did you find that? A double degree. Did you have much time? (laughs) I I didn't really love uni. Yeah. I Mm. did most of my degree part-time and worked, actually. Okay. Um, I just needed the money. Yeah. But that was also more common, like, earlier on, wasn't it? It's like you would do part-time work and also go to uni. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But but my my big thing still has always been that whole strive to be very good at whatever you do. Yeah. Um, And so... Um, very much later in life, learning that whole dependence upon God. I actually yeah. don't want to look 
good and be successful and be altogether myself. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some realness in vulnerability and in Mm. being able to say, you know what, it doesn't matter if I can't do this right. Yeah, I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm just going to give it my best shot. So I think that um, a- as a young person, mm. I struggled with needing to to be very good yeah. at whatever I tried. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'd been diagnosed with a bit of um, dyslexia. Mm. I struggle to read across a line, which is a little worrying for an accountant. But <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Can't read that P&L very yeah, well. No, that's right. <laughs> but I did get some support and, and really good mm. mechanisms that helped deal with that. But that made uni reading quite hard. Yeah. Oh, there was okay. lots and yeah. lots and lots of reading. Especially yeah. in accounting, um, right? Yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. And so the, the HR was mu- much more my cup of tea. It was much yeah. more – I was much more able to – find my way in that particular approach um but but yeah no I didn't join the Christian groups at uni I didn't really I was there as little as I possibly could because I actually didn't really love it yeah and because I was very black and white Mm. the whole oh my goodness look what other people do (laughs) uh, (laughs) side of uni was a very eye-opening exercise for me okay a bit, bit sheltered, I guess, in a <laughs> that's, sense. Uh, that's actually like I remember when we were talking to Amy on a previous episode. She, it was an all, it was a Christian school up until year six, and then she went into uh, high school where it was not a Christian school, and she's like, oh. <laughs> people live a little bit differently was <laughs> <Yes. laughs> that kind of similar but obviously at an older age yeah i think so i think so yeah. and also around um around 18 um the adoption laws changed and so um uh the, the your your birth mother or father could contact you now under released Laws. So, oh, so I was that first year allowed, uni. That wasn't no, allowed. Before. It was all closed until then. It was a, no information, very little. Even if, for example, the child wants to request that information, you can request it, and only if they're on a contact register could you get it. So I didn't oh, want okay. it at that yeah. time. Yep. Okay. Mm. At eighteen, uh, the laws changed. I was in the middle of my uni exams. Yeah. And uh, I was about to go then off onto a, a camp. So I'm like, I don't have time to put a caveat. You could caveat your details i don't have time to do that i'll do it when i'm finished they're not likely to go the first day that the rules change yeah put put it down like i would have done it and the caveat was to make sure that that couldn't that information couldn't be found if you chose so correct yeah yeah so uh, my details had gone before i put the caveat down and so a letter arrived at 18 and a half out of the blue first year uni trying to find my way yeah. and that whole identity stuff was back on the table oh, again it would yeah. be too yeah, yeah. and so um, I, I wasn't a, I'm not a, not a proud time for me I wasn't um, particularly um, gracious about the contact initially yeah. and it wasn't until years later because once I had children yeah that that letter came to the fore and um and and contact was made and and very helpful um and something that um helped a lot in terms of settling those uh, some of those uh, unresolved identity things yeah Yeah. was sorry was that your mum or your dad my birth mum your mum yeah Mm -hmm. i mean like i can i mean i've never been in such a situation but i can imagine how like, 
like you've spoken about it, like striving to do really good at something. And I, I know I wonder, and like you tell me if I'm wrong about this, but having such a chaotic family life growing up, you were striving hard so you, you could control the situation. You didn't have to experience that again. For, for that's that's just a thought. Sorry, I'm not telling you yeah. that's how it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, to, and then, like you get to 18, and then you, you get that time where someone now removes the ability you were going to I'm going to put the caveat on and then they've mm. already removed the ability for you to be able to actually have a choice and control in that situation like I can totally understand why that yeah. came up for you again sorry I think control is a, a, a good word because um, I like to solve problems I like to <laughs> yeah. think myself as someone that can fix things up and yeah. solve other people's problems and help do things so I guess as a problem solver you like to have control um, yeah. And I think that when we point to Jesus, we need to give up that control. So part of that whole identity thing is learning to be comfortable mm. in yeah. who you are and point to Jesus all the time mm. in so far as you, you can't have control yeah, if, if you're giving that to him. Mm. You know what I mean? You've got to sort of, okay, please help me to help someone solve their problems rather than, oh, look, I can fix it for you. <laughs> yeah, um, that's an unhelpful, um, as helpful as you think it might be. Yeah. And I think that at, at 20 that was particularly unhelpful yeah. because I went and decided I was going to take a year off and work for Sydney City Mission. Okay. Oh, wow. And I was yeah. going to work with the teenagers and young adults that struggled to get a job and do my HR back to front kind of thing so help get your resume ready help coach you for an interview help get you um a start in life yeah um and i loved the job but i tried to problem solve every single client that came in the door yeah and i was doing that in my own strength a little bit and that was unhelpful so after about a year i burn out and so that's not what Jesus wanted. Yeah. I needed to learn to find a place where I could do ministry and serve in his strength yeah. and not my own. And mm. I think that's something that lots of young people struggle with, learning to find the place where you do ministry and you do Jesus in yeah. his strength and not your own. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I love your self-awareness too. I like to talk about that stuff. So mm. thank you. So... Okay, so that was around 1820. 1820, yep. So Sydney City Mission, you, you stopped after a year? Yeah, 20, 21. I was there for t- from 21 to 22. Right. As a HR person, yeah. and you said, I think I burn out at the time, what, for people listening, what are some signs of burnout that yeah. they may, that you have experienced yourself? Um, so I think, um, I think an- anxiousness is one of mm. those, particularly if you start to not enjoy uh, serving what you're mm. doing like you we should really uh, get so much joy from s- serving and doing things and when it starts to become tedious and anxious and you're thinking through things too much mm. um that then that's one of the signs um i think that um glory is a really big one to be aware of you we need to be bringing glory to jesus and not glory to oh look at me look how um how look much. how yeah. look how much i'm doing and oh gosh, I, I'm, I'm singing out the front and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And, and, and you lose sight sometimes of what you're there for yeah. and who you're there to serve. Yeah, exactly. And so that burnout side of things where you start to look at what's your motivation mm-hmm. and is your motivation um, still embedded in, in Jesus and making sure that what you're doing um, 
reflects reflects all those qualities of love and patience and joy and kindness and gentleness and self-control and those qualities in how you relate to other people. And, and when you start to not see those fruits, it could be a sign that burn, burnout could be, could be starting to happen. And that happened for you when you were working at Sydney City Mission? I think so, yeah. At the mm. end, at the end uh, Tim and I, I was, I was um, first 12 months of marriage at that time as well. Mm. Um, mm. So we were married at 22 to 23, so that first 12 months. Uh, and at the end of the 12 months, Tim and I decided that it wasn't the right job uh, for me. Yeah. Um, I still did lots of other ministry. I uh, used to run a youth group that we loved. Uh, they would regularly uh, empty my fridge uh, <laughs> at, at, at Bible study each week. Um, and, and Tim and I were the Bible study leaders of the young adults group then that yeah. was connected into Mulpera Uni. So we were at East Hills Church. We were on an offshoot from um, Holy Trinity at Panania. Mm. And so uh, we, we started a, a night service at that church and we had the, the young adults group at, at our house and then I did Friday night youth group leading. And so we had a, a group of youth that weren't church kids. So evangelism mm-hmm. for those kids was fantastic. Mm. Uh, some of them would come and you weren't quite sure what the smell was, but... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a really encouraging time for me. And I had an, a, a young adults uh, leader that did that with... So there was two of us. Yeah. And... We, we separated them off because there was a bit of concern about them not being the sorts of kids that the church kids would mix with, which mm. was really sad. Yeah. Um, but, but it was the way that they could keep coming and that we could keep the group happening. And yeah. So I did that for a couple of years and I really loved those kids. They were, they yeah. were awesome. Kept me on my toes, but... <laughs> Loved working with them. Was that at the same time as Sydney City Mission? And, About and the same time. And so that's why you're able to compare those two. Correct. Because you were like feeling like really energised by what you were doing at church. But yep. in the, the mission you were like trying to problem solve too much in your own yep. strength. But I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was do, trying to do too much. And I think that's the important thing too, getting to a gauge. Like I love the approach that we have at Solis where, um, where you, you can take a rest. Yeah. And uh, and there's no pressure, and that allows you to rest in making sure that you're mm. in, in the space where you're working in Jesus' yeah. strength. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, Isn't it funny that we we go out and go often like there's a comparison between going to church to be served yeah. and going to church to serve? And mm. actually, we find and you guys tell me what you think, but we find our rest by actually knowing like if we go on our, our own strength and go to serve, then we get burnt out and want to be served more. Mm. But if we go in Jesus' strength, we want to serve more and then we also feel more fulfilled mm. more as well. I just find that a really interesting contrast. And I think that your story there perfectly illustrates that. And an encouragement to everyone listening, that it's like we always, if we can, want to go to church to serve because mm. there yeah. are people that need love and care. But when we do that, and we, when we sacrifice, like model that sacrificial love of Jesus, we end up feeling even better. Mm. I, I think we do. Like, tell me if you, you, you guys tell me if you, you think I'm going down the wrong path, but I, I feel like that's the case. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think if you're going there, it's crazy how um, sometimes when you're 
going there, you're rocking up and maybe you're feeling flat and you're just feeling really low. It's crazy how when you're other person centered and concentrating on just how you can help other people, how energizing that can be. Mm. Um, mm. I think filling up other people, coming to church and not looking to be filled up and instead looking to fill up and encourage as many people as you can might sound counterproductive energy-wise, but it's crazy how fruitful that can be mm. and how much that can mean to other people. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely think so too. Mm. I think even in your experience, Jen, to uh, want to very much feel motivated to love those crew that were coming along who perhaps weren't even loved by the people in your church, as you said, but need, want, were desire, desiring love. It's like how, how God uses our experiences, no matter how hard they are, to mm. shape other people in a way that, like, again, it's that model of sacrificial love. Mm. Is that was that was what was happening? Because, sorry, you answer that question first and I've got another question yeah, for you. I, I think that's, that was what was happening. Mm. Um, and, and I just had a... And I had a heart for people that were struggling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just didn't want to see that happen. Mm. Um, and and I think um, I think that that whole notion of of making sure that um, we can do what we can do to shine shine Jesus light to people that are in a really dark place. Mm. Um, I think that I, I had a quote that. Um, in life that I you don't know how dark things are until you've seen how the light shines Mm -hmm. and I think that that is like just so important and if we can learn um, to to find that light inside um, and to shine it as best we can that's what makes the difference for anybody that's struggling but if you do it in your own strength pastoral care wise that's when when burnout has a has a has a tendency to creep in and so mm. that's where prayer becomes a, your greatest strength i think i i love to pray and if i say to somebody i'll put you on my prayer list i actually pray for you every day the week that i say i've put you on my prayer list mm. because prayer is what makes the difference um yeah, in think, those times. I think we underestimate that sometimes mm. about how powerful prayer can be. Mm. Mm. The next question I was going to ask you though, you also said, so we're talking about how uh, the concept and ideas of identity came up for you because you had like different things come up about the adoption laws and all that kind of stuff. You also said you got married at the same time. Tell us about Tim, your husband. So married at, I was 22 when I got married. Mm-hmm. I met Tim at a beach mission. At Cronulla, in the hall that we meet in for our <laughs> Cronulla gathering. Yeah. So Tim and I were actually in that hall, yeah. um, and uh, I, I actually wasn't looking for uh, a boyfriend at the time. I'd kind of gone off boys a bit for a bit, yeah. and um, and I and I met Tim, and he kind of um, captured my attention, <laughs> and uh, he was um, he was very. Uh, carefree uh, he was very um serving he was part of the team at the beach mission which i was just a guest i went to hear the band play yeah. jonah's and the 
Weight Watchers, I think they were called, or something the like that. Watchers. Jonah and or the Whale Watchers. Whale, oh, I can't remember <laughs> what they were called. Jonah and something. <laughs> it was like a Jonah great band. The whale watch, <laughs> they? So they're on a weight loss program. <laughs> while they were. Oh, no, no. I think it was, I can't remember what it was, but Jonah and something. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the Whale Watchers. A, maybe. Gives us Jonah. But it, was a, anyway. it was a great band, and I went yeah. to hear the band play and met Tim. And mutual friends then saw that we kind of chatted a bit. Yeah. And so invited both of us to their church camp the following week. Um, so apparently, uh, although I don't remember, my girlfriend tells me I went home and talked about him all night. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we went to the, the church camp together the next week yeah. and basically the rest is history. So right. we're 29 years married next month. Yeah, and it was cool that you said that, like, Tim and I decided that the Sydney Sydney Mission was just not mm. for us. Is that uh, a theme that has continued on at, through your marriage, that you always made decisions like that together? And yeah. Like, and for probably for both both you and Tim. Yeah. Oh, t- Tim's my best friend. He's my rock. Mm. Um, I, I love him to bits, and I don't know what life would be like without him in it. And when we first got married both of us came from broken homes and so we made a pledge that that you know how they say from generation to generation we pass things down we made a pledge that was one that wasn't kind of passed down and so together we committed to that verse as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. And so that was, um, Ethan and Katie uh, had that as their sermon at their wedding last weekend or couple of weeks ago now but um <laughs> that flies. was super special uh that they chose that passage because it really did and they didn't know that it had such a significance mm. in mine and tim's life but we that verse was was okay we're going to serve the lord and we're going to serve the lord together yeah. and so yeah um i am someone that's happy to sit under the leadership of my husband in my household and um and and he prays with me and and we make decisions together. Yeah, yeah. that's lovely. Mm. And so we're now talking mid twenties. About twenty three. Yeah, yeah. So you got married at twenty three, and so then you you stopped doing accounting. Stopped when, doing accounting. When did you get into HR, and how did that? Yeah, happen? pretty much straight straight away into HR. So I went from Sydney City Mission. Yeah. Um, was getting to the point of burnout. One of my clients at Sydney City Mission offered me a job. And so it was oh, God wow. opening a door yeah. and I went in as a trainer. So I started as a trainer mm. um, in that HR space uh, doing leadership training. Um, and so I ran a program called the Challenge of Work. It was a high school program. Yeah. And I uh, used to go into high schools and talk about what work was like. Um, and you do that right across New South Wales. It was the best job. I got yeah. to hang out with youth and chat about what work was like and do HR, but meet so many different sorts of people. And uh, I really enjoyed that job. I was there for a few years. And then I was uh, lucky again at the end of that. Um, another client client offered me a job and I was able to, to move and I spent a bit of time in, in HR at Sutherland Council. I was there for around seven or eight years and then moved into government after that and I've been there for oh, 22 years um, <laughs> right. in the same place. I just, I love it. I love what I do. So, How does being a Christian, like when you're working in full-time work or even part-time work or whatever, in your examples, I feel like, like being a Christian in HR might be slightly more accepted. Do you reckon that's right or not? But poten- potentially... But I've always been part-time work, so I have to okay. say, um, 
from the time I had kids. Mm -hmm. So up until kids, work full time. From the time I had kids, um, best job in the world is being a mum and that was my priority. So I made some sacrifices, some choices, some decisions, followed Mm. God, leadership around being um, first and foremost a mum and then then work. There was obviously times where I'd slip up and the phone would ring too much and Katie would comment on the fact that the work phone was ringing again (laughs) um, and you would recheck yourself in terms of not getting... Um, overcommitted to work and and yeah. not ba- that that balance it's hard finding to finding that balance out with yeah. part time work it yeah. is it is so I've been part time work and I still am part time now and I stayed part time despite various different opportunities coming up I stayed part time to enable me to do ministry and yeah. to have the space and the time and the energy to do kids ministry for as long as I can pretty much mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, how much did your experiences growing up shape how you wanted to be a mum? Um, uh, uh, my mum was my mum was great. Mm. She was dependable and she worked really really hard. Mm. Um, As you said, to, so you can go yeah, to pain bank, yeah. yeah. Uh, so whilst I, my dad's was was not fabulous, my mum did try very her best to make up for that. Um, but I think that I, re- I really, I think it was more the adoption that played as, as a mum because mm. for the first time in my life, something was mine. Yeah. It looked like me <laughs> and it had my eye colour. And, <laughs> um, and so that was exciting yeah. because I had something that was, was mine and I had to watch I didn't hold it too close <laughs> and make sure that that uh, be thankful to Jesus because, um, yeah, the the girls were both a huge blessing. I've got two daughters, uh, Courtney and Kate, and they were a huge blessing in my life. And and as I said, absolutely loved being a mum, but loved work as well. So after 12 months, I'd flow charted every process you could for... (laughs) For childhood, <laughs> I had it all down pat. Mm-hmm. So yep. nappy change was flow charted and everything was <laughs> Highlighted sorted. Yep, that's it. Color-coded. And then Tim goes, it's time to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, that that whole balance thing it, yeah. is tricky. Um, but, yeah, it, I think the adoption shaped more yeah. than my ch- own childhood. How did you – do you have any reflections on how – Becoming a mother changed your relationship with God. Did mm. it change mm. your relationship with God in any way? or I think it changed my relationship with God in so many ways. Mm. Uh, it also opened a pathway to so many ministry opportunities. Yeah. So I ran the play group while yeah. the kids were little. I was the treasurer of one play group and I ran the leader, leader of another play group. So I, um, it opened the opportunity to evangelise um, families that weren't traditionally part of church yeah. uh, and to talk about the difference that Jesus makes. But, but yeah, I just think that um, life is just so joyful when you hold something that God created. Yeah. Um, it's kind of almost um, 
It was interesting though because the very first time they handed me Courtney, um, I'd been through a, quite a difficult um, time, but they handed me her and I, my first thought was not how beautiful she was. That was my second thought. <laughs> um, my first thought was how could anybody go through that and give their baby away? I mean, yeah. that was oh, still yeah, playing on my, on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it probably wasn't until after I had Kate that I settled in that space. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of flash flashes in at yeah. various any of the pivotal changing times mm. in your life where you're actually making a bit of a transition. So motherhood, high school to uni, yeah. all those times. It's normal for people to to have something where uh, you, you're challenged, where, no matter yeah. what your story yeah. is. Yeah, that story absolutely. at those gateways can be can be difficult. Mm. Yeah, and I think something just so encouraging so far is just every situation that you've mentioned mm-hmm. whether it was um high school or um going through work or as you just mentioned with motherhood you just keep turning these opportunities to evangelism and jesus and it's just mm. so encouraging to mm-hmm. hear. Mm. i don't know like we're only up to what like 20 something and it just it's it's just so great <laughs> yeah, that's right like, <laughs> i totally agree I was, I was yeah. a bit of a nerd, really. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, but like, <laughs> nerd away. If you're a nerd, yeah. like, you know what I mean? If you're going to nerd out on the, on the if Bible. Gonna, yeah, if you're going to nerd, if you're going to be a nerd, use it for Jesus, you know. Yeah. What I mean? Like, it's it's mm. just so encouraging to hear about the mm. different ways you've done that. Is there, um, talking about being a mum, that's a, that's a long time, isn't yeah. it? You, like, and you're, it still, is. you're still a mum, sorry, I should yeah. say. You're, so, but maybe not having to provide as much care as you used to have to. I am a recent empty nester. I was get, oh. that's, that was where I was going. I was going to yes. ask you that question because that's another moment of change that you're talking about. It is, actually. And I was expecting this transition to be hard. Yeah. Mm. And I was expecting to struggle also, yeah. your it. daughters both moved out very yeah, quickly. Both moved out yeah. and got married in six months yes. of each other. Yeah. yeah. And and I loved being a mum. So, like, you've yeah. got all that, that <laughs> kind of happening. So, I was expecting it to be difficult. But I stopped and thought, and both of them married God-loving men. Yeah. Um, they're both so happy that you actually that get to a point <laughs> where you go, you know what, how on earth can I be upset or sad in a yeah. time when I should be rejoicing and mm. looking at how that relationship will change so that I can be there and available but give them the space to, to start their life and their family under God as they should. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've, I've coped better than I thought, Joel. <laughs> uh, it's been a really exciting, fun time. You had some time to time. prepare, though. You had some time to get ready for this one. Well, had a bit of like time. When you, like... Have a baby straight up. You're like, oh my gosh! Now I need to do heaps of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And and I think that um, I think that in myself, I'm in a good place with Jesus, and that that's really helped mm-hmm. um, because um, you depend and you pray and you do the things that help you. Okay, what are we going to do now? How are we going to change it now? What's and I liked him, which is helpful too. <laughs> <laughs> So I think think yeah it helps. that could it be helps. hard if you did yeah. it could be worse. So do you guys like go out and do like things? You're like oh we can finally do this. We've always done that. We've mm, always yeah. had date night. Date night is so important. Mm. We've always had date night. Um, brunch has been a thing that we've done all the like while the kids were in high school. Yeah. You can stay at home in the morning on your own. Tim and I would still go and 
have a have our coffee and our chat. Um, yeah. So it's always been part of our our marriage. It's what helps things um, stay strong and healthy. It's what mm. helps um, keep you both on the same page. Yeah, um, you can talk about things uh, when you're on your date nights that the kids aren't going to hear and listen, and so you <laughs> then. I think the biggest thing is making sure that you, as parents, parent on the same page. Yes, yeah. Um, so you might not be on the same page. And so that time allows you to actually get onto the same page mm. um, and present a united front, which is super important. Here's a question for you. So I'm in the, th- I'm in the middle of having three, young ch- three reasonably young children. Yeah. How do you make that work when you're in the, like, and I think it'd be interesting that people that are in a similar age, a similar stage to me, how do you keep making that happen like date night and stuff like that when you are in the throes of mm. stress and school and all that kind of stuff with young children? What would be your recommendations? <laughs> Have a nice group of people that are happy to come and sit at your house <laughs> um, is one of those. Or, or uh, be a bit creative about how you do it. Mm. So put the kids to bed and then have a picnic in the backyard. Or mm. um, I like I th- that. I think, I think trying to be um, creative both as a parent and and with your spouse uh so uh, did lots of creative things with the kids to well, bible verses in lunch boxes yeah. and <laughs> things that actually bring home what's the those true important solid values that you want to teach your kids that you just keep doing over and over yeah. so that message gets across um so, so sometimes I went over the top with some of those um, <laughs> and got too creative. But Come I think on, give us, give us an example. Yeah. Um, oh, when I uh, – okay, so Courtney's turning um, 18. Yeah. And I'm wanting to make a real positive impression and statement about mm. her independence as yeah. a young adult. Mm. So I buy her an Elsa kite – present it to her at her 18th birthday (laughs) to send her soaring into life as an adult and read the poem that I had when she was at preschool called The Kite. Probably a little bit overdone. (laughs) And and something that I reflected on afterwards maybe didn't go down as well as I would have liked. I don't know, like... Sure, maybe it might have been a bit overdone, but I'd much <laughs> like, and I suppose it is, a, I feel like it's a bit of a story of what you've told us about your life, is it just overdo love. Like, yeah. I don't think you can really complain about that. No, uh, actually, you, know, you say that, my, if you were to ask my girls, they would say, if there was one thing you would say about your mum, that she loves very hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And I like that. Like, I mean, I'm uh, not in your family, of course, but <laughs> we're in church family, but I don't know, I, like... Given everything that you've experienced, it could have gone some other different ways. And I think yeah. that in comparison to like loving hard people hard, like I'd much rather that. Like, and that's why I'm really encouraged by you when, mm. when yeah. you say that stuff. And I think it's 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 so lovely to just know where you stand as well. I think it's so easy to assume that someone knows that they're loved or that mm. someone knows that you like them or appreciate their company. And it's so easy to just float through life. To be like, oh, they, they're aware, but maybe they're not. And mm. I think may, Courtney knew she was loved, I'm sure. Yeah. But she Just really the, knows. <laughs> and she's not going to forget. <laughs> no. no. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and, ima- and, like, and imagine how you said you and Tim made the promise we're not going to disrupt our family. Yeah. 
but then the amount of love that you give to Corny and the amount of love that she's going to pass on to whether she has her own children or not or other people is you spoke about being generationally changed. Mm. That's what it is. And it's all based mm. on your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So then you, uh, the outworking of that mm. is actually not just helping your daughters. Mm. It's helping the people that they minister to, yeah. their husbands yeah. and uh, everyone else that they're friends with. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm saying if you're overdoing <laughs> loving people, <laughs> it, it's much better to be overdoing than underdoing it, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've I think, I think that also what I've learned as I've become more mature is you do those loving, kind things um, with less fuss yeah. and pointing to Jesus rather than pointing to Jen. Mm. And yeah. so that's mm. changed as I've gotten more mature in my faith mm. as well. Um, I think one of the great things I did, the, I did the course here where I did the certificate of theology yeah. mm. and that was a really uh, big turning point in my uh, faith as well. I loved doing theological training and actually understanding the things that underpin the Bible but it also, mm. I think the thing that it showed me most is that like Jesus is from the beginning to the end and yeah. so in everything that we do and learn and grow, there's always room to actually learn more and yeah. focus more on on how how we can change some of those um, too exuberant things to to be more in tune with. Okay, well, I don't know if Jesus would have quite done it that way. Let me think about how he would have done would it. Have Jesus and sent a kite up. That's it. <laughs> so how would Jesus do this one? Um, and kind of taper your approach yeah. to ministry and to life and to loving a little bit around, well, um, how, would, how would that have happened? Mm. Can I ask the uh, final question? Yes. Which is, we've only really just started doing this in the last maybe, I don't know, 10 episodes or something like that. Looking back over your life, mm -hmm. first of all, I should ask, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about your life that you haven't told us yet? Uh, sorry, that's a different I've, question. I've uh, told you lots. I know. <laughs> I've um, enjoyed it. Uh, uh, probably, not, probably not. That's so always no. room for part two. You've got to leave them wanting more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, give the people what they want. Um, <laughs> so the question is then, looking back over your life now, what would you like to tell your earlier Christian self, given what you know now? Um, honestly, Jen, do it in God's strength. Yeah. Um, and know and be comfortable, safe and secure in who he made you to be. Yeah. And I think that's something that everybody struggles with. Just God made us the way we are and yeah. we want to change it. And we just need to get to a point where we're, okay, I'm a little bit too fat, but I'm comfortable with that because that's how God made me to be. I can try as best as I can to to fix that and mm. to be healthy and to do the things that I do. But but I just need to be comfortable in who and how God made me to be. Yeah. And um, at that point when you can be comfortable, I think that you get to um, a point when you're probably more more useful for, for Jesus because you're not worrying about yourself anymore. Being freed of that, right? Yeah, it gives you the energy to pour into other people, like you were saying, when yeah. you actually arrive and you start to practically show that love. Um, so I think that that would be nice to have been in that comfortable place much earlier in my life. 
but I don't know that anybody is. And I think mm. it's probably a journey that everybody faces. Um, and as we say, that's like a bit of a roller coaster. It's up and down and, and at times you're soaring on eagle's wings and other times you're hiding in under them and, and the storm's coming and you want to shadow under the, the comfort of, of the wing. Um, so I think at times yeah, that, that's my big thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, comfortable. I, I was thinking about um, just as you're saying that, and also talking about uh, <laughs> turning down the over exuberance a little bit. But I think it's just part of your sanctification, just the mm. process of sanctification, and the way that Jesus continually is working on us, even if we don't think we're working on ourselves. He's using our experiences and the people that we meet, and like he's just. Like the the way that God has the power over so many things, and you just like you don't even realize it, and He's just using mm. all those situations to um, become more like Him, mm. and that's what I'm reminded of as we have done this episode, mm. is that no matter how, like I I think you've gone through some really trying circumstances, Jen, and I, it means a lot for you to share that with us, mm. um, and I think that. For people to hear this, I think it's really important to know that God is always using the situations that we're in to work for ourselves. Mm. Um, before we wrap it up, anything else you'd like to ask Jen, Braden? Oh, I'd just like to say it's, again, like, yeah, we've covered some pretty, some topics that aren't pleasant and mm. aren't great, but mm. at the same time, I think it's just so encouraging that when we look at so many things and so many things that you do now, Jen, it's easy to say, to know what your intention is. Mm. Yeah. Your intention is always to serve Jesus. And love and people. I th- and love people. <laughs> yeah. I know that no matter what you're doing, it's because you love other people and it's because you love Jesus. Mm. I think yeah. that's just so, so encouraging. Mm. I think, Joel, just on, on your thing, I, I'm actually glad all those things happen now. Mm. Like when I look back yeah. through my life, that refiner's fire verse in the Bible yeah. is so true. God was making me to be able to do that now. Yeah. To have the empathy, to have the compassion, to be a listening ear. Like, I'm not sorry any of those things happened. Yeah. Um, and I do think that, um, I, I think I told you beforehand that I wanted to have that, the testimony that was um, peaches and roses, basically. Um, and, I, and I didn't have that. But I used to listen to it all the time as a young person and think, oh, now I'm happy that I have the testimony I have because... God's been able to use it so many times. So I'm actually mm. thankful for the things that have happened and the way they've shaped me. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's an ideal way to end the podcast. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being so willing to be so vulnerable and sharing <laughs> all the, the things that have been happened in your life, but also the way that Jesus has changed it. So thank you so much. Same one way. Yeah, thank you. Hang oh, on, you beat you to it. I'm not up to that yet. Oh, oh sorry, Joel. Right. <laughs> taking <laughs> over. Joel yeah, won't be right. here next week. Yeah, that's right. Joel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are always trying to take the my podcast role. with Jen. <laughs> in his own strength. In his strength. <laughs> Um, Brayden, thanks for being on as well. No problem. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> and all I was gonna, the other thing I was going to say, it's time to wrap up the chips if they're actually here. And thank you, Jen. One way. One way. <laughs>